Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brenz talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Good morning. We are in the Channel Seed Studios. This is Firmly Entrenched with Jake Brend. I'm with Local 5 Sports out of Des Moines, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Oson with Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports. Nick, how's it going? Jake, I'm doing great, man. I, I think we got a lot of fantastic, you know, fun, positive reception uh, from our first episode, and we're only going up, getting a little bit closer to football season. I know it's going to be a great slate for us, Brent. So... To my understanding, this is dropping on Wednesday, but we're recording right now on Monday. It, we're all over the place. Aiden, our, our producer's going to Las Vegas with Circus Sports, our, one of our presenting sponsors, powering firmly entrenched. He's going out there for week zero with two guys named Chris, and th- they're going to be busy, busy out there. And I'm going to Chicago the next three days. So believe it or not, Monday is the only day we can make this work. But we're going to keep this about as evergreen as we can with with some current cyclones in the NFL. And we saw a lot of that um, this past weekend, but in particular, Brock Purdy was was the biggest name. And we're going to touch on him later. But I know uh, another former cyclone, also from right around this area, Jake Hummel, Dowling alum, had a really cool moment with a pick six. Did you see that on Twitter, Nick? Yeah, I saw Jake. You know, you and I were were kind of all over that right away, as a couple other uh, Cyclones Twitter members were, let's say. And that was really impressive. Obviously, the play itself, you know, a pick six is fantastic. I think Jake Hummel, I think he gets not overlooked, but maybe forgotten about a little bit in the NFL. You know, a, a team that maybe not as many fans uh, are here, you know, and he, he's not the biggest name of the guys that are there. But Again, he got onto a really good, competitive, well-coached team. And what was so cool was to see Coach Sean McVay, obviously one of the kind of better, more fun uh, personalities in the NFL coaching tree right now, just going crazy about it on the sidelines. I think that that was really something that stuck with me. And I think Hummel, yet again, is probably going to safely you know, make a team, as are a couple other players that we'll be touching on here, Jake. Yeah, Sean McVay has a future in the booth. You could just tell it on that play. I can't remember what he said. It was just, I think it was hook drop Jake Hummel had a baby. (laughs) It was, it was pretty good stuff. I I played it on the 10 o'clock news last night at, at, uh, at local five. Uh, Nick, are you a coffee guy? I'm just, I'm always working like nights. So I'm usually up around this time, but I'm usually not like looking and sounding presentable. So I'm choking <laughs> down a cup of coffee today. How about, are you? Well, well, Jake, you look great as usual. Uh, I'm actually not, believe it or not. You know, we, we tell no lies on the show. I have never had a full cup of coffee. I've had, I think, three sips in my life. Really? Uh, including one recently off of a a pretty decent drink my girlfriend got from Starbucks. But no, man, you know, normally I'm just running on kind of pure happiness and natural adrenaline, really. So no caffeine? 
And honestly, no. it gets me. It, no, no, I, I said no coffee, but you're not far off. I, I do. Uh, I had a lot of <laughs> Mountain Dew and like five hour energies in college. So I try to stay off those a little bit. They they don't uh, mesh too well with, you know, kind of my my personality and just uh, just kind of how I like to feel, you know, mentally. I think it gets me a little bit too revved up. So I've just got a thing of water <laughs> getting me going for the day, Jake. Hey, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And you mentioned having energy without caffeine. I think that's impressive that you're able to do the two-minute drill just, <laughs> just straight waking up, drinking some water. And uh, that is brought to us by Heartland Flags. You want to you wanna take us through your two-minute drill, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of our, our early kind of favorite segments with this, Jake, you know, brought to you and, and brought to us all by Heartland Flags and Gifts. You know, free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Again, new products constantly, every team, every sport, just about every flag, as we kind of confirmed last week, even Simpson College, Western Kentucky, really just about any school you can think of, any team, Heartland Flags and Gifts. So for my two-minute drill, you know, we're really going to continue to focus on, especially before we get into kind of the the full-blown Big 12 season, Jake, just some Cyclones focuses. And, you know, recently – as we're now, I think, about three full weeks uh, into Iowa State uh, full, fall football camp and just two weeks away from the season, which is crazy to think about. You know, they've revved up kind of some of the uh, the one-on-ones, the live reps, you know, offense against defense a little bit. And so I want to – I guess I want to be the second one to formally introduce you, Jake, and, and much of the fan base and our wonderful listeners truly – uh, to a name that was tweeted out this weekend. Now, a lot of what I do is recruiting. So I, I've kind of been on this player. I thought it was a fantastic PWO edition. But I don't think even myself could say that I thought that this Illinois native would be making an impact already. And that is true freshman, preferred walk-on safety, Drew Surgis. So he's a safety now, he got an interception in, in kind of some live, uh, we'll say a scrimmage-type setting Saturday. He got a beautiful interception earlier in the week, and this is something a little bit notable because I had to double-check who it was because he was wearing number 33, Jake, earlier in camp. And that's also true freshman Jack Sadowski's number. So I was like, oh. okay, you know, that didn't look like, uh, that didn't look like, you know, Sadowski making the play earlier in the week. So then I did double check and Sergis is now wearing 29, a number change. And from what I'm hearing, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say that, oh, this guy's going to end up, you know, starting week one. But what I can tell you, Jake, is he has played well enough to potentially see the field early on in his career. Wow. And I would certainly say if, if Drew, which absolutely I expect him, you know, to be at Iowa State, play at Iowa State. I can't imagine that he is going to be a PWO and a walk-on uh, for too much longer and long-term in his career. You have to think, based on the way that you know some of these walk-ons are getting scholarships within the program, Sergis is already kind of making his way with his play, his energy, his leadership as a true freshman to potentially getting a scholarship down the line, I would very much think. So I'm not in a football locker room. I don't belong in a football locker room. But just from the outside looking in, if you gave a guy a number of someone else on defense, that would probably mean 
you're probably a practice squad guy, at least for this year. So to switch him numbers as a media member, that kind of just gets my head turning. Like he's probably going to see the fielder. At least there's, at least there's a real possibility where the staff is thinking about it. You don't just accidentally change a number. There's, there's thought that goes into that. So that's, that's going to be something to look out for. And you just, in the Campbell era, it feels like whenever there's a true freshman that's going to make an impact on defense, especially we hear about it before the season. Like I remember we were hearing about this Michael Rose guy going into the <laughs> Iowa game. All right. Who's Michael Rose. And then you look out there and he's the best player on the field. It feels like we're hearing the same thing with Sadowski just since beginning of July, it's this Sadowski kid's going to play and he's going to be good. So, um, Nikki Clicky also obviously has has a little bit more insight than I do, but but that's a that would be a good addition to an already loaded Iowa State defensive backfield. Yeah, Jake. So <laughs> Nikki Clicky, that's insane. Um, that you can thank producer Aiden Wyatt for that. I know, one. and he and he knows. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Jack Sadowski, man. You know, many people know this. I've been kind of trying to lead that train really since the spring. He was my, I believe, going off memory, the first scholarship commit, uh, first or second that I covered, you know, since I got here. And it felt like he was a guy that could see more offers if his recruitment went on, right? I think he got a late Kansas State offer. I remember Louisville being in the mix. So he is, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be shell-shocked if he does not play. I think he'll have a prominent role, but you're right. I think what this staff does in terms of uh, identifying and evaluating, I've said this many times, I think it's a special thing, Jake. And, and, you know, that kind of, I didn't try to do this, but that kind of naturally leads me into the second name. And it's a name that we touched on last week. I'm not going to act like it's brand new to the show, but I just continue to hear great things. That's another true freshman. Believe Iowa State was the first offer. Then he was committed elsewhere for a long time. Obviously, now is at ISU, and that is true freshman tight end Ben Bramer. I know we mentioned him last week. I'm not shy about saying I've said it. I think since April, safeties and tight ends. I want to put my name on those two position groups this fall. I think they're both going to be fantastic. Safeties room was great already last year. I think the tight end room is. Not saying it'll have the Chase Allen, you know, Charlie Kohler uh, star power right away, Jake. But I think in terms of sheer talent and depth, one to five, one to six, one to seven, is in about the best shape it's ever been in the Matt Campbell era. It, I'm going to say it did take a step back last year because it, it obviously did. But I think it just shows how spoiled – the program and fans were the last few years with the production that they did get from Cole or Allen Saner. So if this group of Dean and Bramer can even match like, I don't know, 70% of that, because I would say they got less than 50% of the production last year from the tight ends than they did the year before. And that's why that's part of why you saw the offense take a huge step back and I was listening to Williams and Bloom um, last night on Cyclone Fanatic on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast network. And what Bloom was saying was the defense 
might take a little bit of a step back, probably not much. So the offense just has to go from the worst in the Big 12 to average, and you're going to probably offset that. But one important piece of the defense that is probably a little bit of a question mark, especially now without Isaiah Lee, is probably that defensive line. But I know you've got, I know you've got some nuggets on on who's producing there. <clears throat> yeah. So one name that I think just about everybody knows now, Jake, uh, that I've heard really, really, really good things about since March is Tyler Onyetum. I, I believe third year man uh, along the defensive line. So he's somebody I certainly expect to have a great shot at starting likely start on kind of one of the defensive end spots. Dom Orange, everybody knows about, uh, you know, I think he he was initially like a big time recruit. Iowa State obviously stuck with him. Big I Citrus. He, I think he he's showed. got the best nickname on the team. Do we know where that came from, by the way? I've heard that just from a couple people. I like I'm going to blame Nate Shieldhouse burner. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that was him. He's who I heard it from first, though. Solid. Very. I used uh, it on. I used it on local five news on. Did you? Uh, Saturday night, I think. I, <laughs> I had heard it uh, recently for the first time. Very solid, and then uh, Peterson, Joey Peterson, who it sounds like you know, based on kind of behind the scenes as well as just speaking with John Haycock at a presser last week, Jake. He's really taken on this leadership role along the defensive line. Almost one of those, like heart of the team uh, leaders in that defensive front, certainly the defense as a whole. I get the sense that I don't think it's going to have, you know, a Will McDonald or MJ Anderson uh, type player in terms of just sheer sack numbers. At least right now, I think that's fair to say, but I think again, I'm I'm really not trying to overhype anything. I think from one through five, one through six, I don't think, you know, I think you certainly want to avoid injuries, obviously, but like I think the depth takes a hit with a guy like Isaiah Lee. Um, but I don't necessarily think, Jake, that kind of the ceiling of that unit does. You've got J.R. Singleton. I'm going to throw a newer name out there. Now, I mentioned him just in a, a writing piece last year. I can't say I projected that he'd play a major role, but kind of from what I've been hearing, you know, whether that's uh, speaking with players or, you know, asking about kind of guys that have been making an impact, Trent Jones. Tyler Onyetum told me he's a walk-on. He's really impressed this camp, and I think he's going to surprise some people. So if maybe the best player on the defensive line is telling me that, I'm certainly going to trust it. I'll have a story out uh, with him, actually, w- with Tyler later this week. But I wanted to mention that one. That's kind of one of those names, you know, like a – like a Drew Sergis, like a Jack Sadowski, you know, obviously a lot of people knew about Abu, Carson Hansen, but some of these names I'm hearing that have maybe even jumped above some of those expectations, Jake, this summer and into the fall. So we're going to save most of this for next week when we do our really full season preview, Big 12 mm-hmm. preview. But as I'm thinking about it, just in my head of, of best case and worst case scenario. You just talked about the best case is that all those guys pan out. You have extreme depth, probably more depth than, than you've had in a while. And I'm going to, I guess, poke some holes. Not that I'm disagreeing with you, but in my head, I'm thinking worst case scenario, what will it look like if Iowa State wins three games, which is a 
major possibility considering four wins last year, scandal this offseason. But to me, the secondary is not a question that you have All-American potential talent at two or three positions along with all Big 12 talent at maybe all of them. But for the for the casual fan, for someone not in the program, on the outside, this front seven looks like the, probably the biggest question mark four front sevens that Iowa State's had since going into that 2017 season. But I'm not the guy to doubt John Haycock. He pretty much, I remember after 20, 2018, you lose Willie Harvey. It's how are you going to replace Willie Harvey? How are you going to replace Marcel Spears? How, how are you going to replace Mike Rose? And then it seems like someone always comes and steps in. But I think if, if it's December 15th and we're looking back, what – what went wrong? How did Iowa State's defense go from first in the Big 12 to fourth? Which I think if that happens, they're in pretty big trouble unless the offense takes a big step jump. I, I think it would look back and be like, we had some depth on the offensive line, but maybe not the star power that we had with with Will McDonald, MJ Anderson, years before that, Enya Iwazarike. But that's just me kind of bouncing around in my head the the potential of of what it could look like if it if it wasn't as as great as it has been in years past. Yeah, Jake, I think that's you know I, I think that's really fair uh, to kind of question what that could look like because the defense to me was a top six unit in the country last year. Yep. Do I think it's going to be that this year? Maybe not, but I, I think it will still be very good. I, I really do. Man, I'm somebody and, you know, I didn't like grow up a a Cyclones fan. I admittedly tend to lean optimistically. I know it's just kind of for the sake of discussion. I can't see just three wins. I I really can't see that happening, like only three and nine. I think it'll be better. But in your case, you said if that were to happen, I think I would go to injuries. I, I think that what would have to happen is injuries happen either across the front of the defensive line or the linebackers, specifically a guy like Gary Vaughn, because I'm getting the sense he's just going to be a star this year. I I really do anticipate that. And then again, you've got talent in the linebacking core, but it's a lot of young guys. So I Mm -hmm. think I would just simply say, because I think so highly of the defense Coaches like Eli Rashid and, and Tyson Bite, like with the linebackers, I think so highly of these players and these coaches that if it were to get down to three wins, and I know the over-under sitting around like four and a half, five, if it, uh, if it got down to three, then I think it would just have to be injuries because I think that execution, I think that growth, I think that leadership and development will just be too good. Could the defense be ahead of – the offense certainly at times yeah i think that's fair to say but from what i expect from the tight ends like i mentioned the offensive line group getting better and in our b room i just think that overall it's funny i was doing record predictions jake on my site this morning as we're recording and i see here and there there's a three and nine there's a four and eight do i understand kind of like having to wrap your brain around a tough season last year and then picking this year yes but I just I can't see it. I think too highly of uh, the roster and quite honestly the coaching for that to happen. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll make one more point and we'll, we'll move on to our, our Brock Purdy discussion. I should clarify when I say the defense taking a step back. I mean going from like an A to a B. I, I just can't mm-hmm. foresee a John Haycock defense being any worse than a B. And I think on the flip side, if Iowa State wins seven games, you could look back and say the defense was just as good as last year, but they got a few more bounces and they – a few more of those tipped inter- tipped passes turned into interceptions instead of falling right where there's nobody on the field. I, uh, the other team in the state, Iowa, the, the reason they're so good is because not only they tip passes, it feels like no matter what, someone is always there to catch it. And I think Iowa State, whether it was bad luck last year or whatever, football gods weren't, weren't in favor of the Cyclones, just – they didn't turn the ball over as much as their defense probably deserved because they were that dominant. But we're going to go to Brock Purdy. For that, though, we want to thank our friends at Circus Sports. The highest limits, the lowest holds, and the best odds. You can download that on the App Store. You can even bet the NFL preseason. I don't understand why anybody would ever do that. <laughs> I would save your money more for Week Zero, which is coming up in a few days. I like... I've, I've kind of turned into our friend Ken Miller on, on the hook with Mike Palm. He only bets futures. And right now mm. I'm looking at my, my MLB futures that I've got on, on Circus Sports. I've got the Cubs over 77 and a half wins. That's going to hit. I've got the Twins making the playoffs. That's going to hit. I've got the Rays over 90 and a half wins. That's going to hit. I'm going to go like five for five on futures. And then I could go out on a college football Saturday and, and I could go 0 for five pretty easily. So. Uh, one future that I really like looking at last night on the app, the Eagles, the NF, the Eagles of the NFC East are minus 110 to win the division. And here, this is, <laughs> this is from a total like Homer Cowboy. There is no shot the Cowboys win the East. I'm sorry, minus 110 for the Eagles is free money. So go and get that on Circa Sports. Iowa, download it in the App Store, wherever you get your apps, but please remember to bet responsibly. And if you're betting on the 49ers in the preseason, I wouldn't do it expecting Brock Purdy to be out there listening to Kyle Shanahan's press conference yesterday at Local 5. Um, he made it sound like Purdy's done after one drive where he went 4-5 or five for 65 yards, had a rush for 8 yards, took a sack. Wasn't really his sack. or Sorry, the sack wasn't really his fault. Looked like a blown coverage. But... I think he looked like Brock Purdy. I, he wasn't obviously doing anything too crazy. It was preseason. But for throwing five months after a pretty rare rel- elbow injury, I think he looked good. And um, I don't know. It just looks like it's his job to lose. He was doing some RPOs, just, just rolling out in the pocket. But it, it's impossible to ignore – the drama, which I think just shows how NFL is king with training camp stats. Who keeps training camp stats? I've never seen in the NBA, oh my gosh, Steph Curry, he only went he only went three of ten from three today at the Warriors training camp. You never hear anything like that. And you have journalists, you have 49er fans tweeting out every day, oh my gosh, Purdy threw three interceptions. Trey Lance, oh my he threw two interceptions, <laughs> and Purdy was actually asked about this in his press conference yesterday. 
And what he had to say was, I take pride in not turning the ball over. It's huge as a quarterback to be able to make smart decisions every single snap, every single play. So it's not like I'm just going out there throwing stuff up and saying, I'm trying stuff out. It's nothing like that. I'm a competitor. I want to be able to rip the ball, obviously, coming off an injury, sort of seeing where I'm at with some throws and stuff. That's a thing. But outside of that, it's practice for a reason. Obviously, I'm trying to find that edge in that little chip every single day. I just keep working on my craft and then go about it that way. But yeah, to make a big deal about interceptions and stuff at practice and whatnot, like I don't know if you get tied up in that and wrapped up in that. I feel like it's sort of for nothing in the sense that what matters is game days on Sundays and in the moment making the right decision when you know you're in real situational football and stuff. But you can work on that in practice. And I think when I read that, that can sound sarcastic because I'm sarcastic, but Purdy did say it with a little smirk on his face, but he means that in a pretty genuine way. I just thought that was a funny... that's such a funny quote to ask somebody like, yeah, I mean, you just looked good in this game four or five sack. Wasn't your fault. Incompletion wasn't your fault you about scrambled for a touchdown, but Mr. Purdy, how about those interceptions that you threw last Monday morning um, when you were probably thrown to third strings? Yeah. So, so here's where I'm at with this Jake, you know, first off, I think that I think that the NFL is different. Like you mentioned, NFL is king. I do think it's okay to note, uh, you know, of course, how players are performing. But one thing, man, that and I don't even follow that many 49ers accounts. But one thing that is just weird that I've seen is there's this one journalist out there. That I saw a video last week. I I literally double checked his account. Like, is this guy really leaving 49ers training camp? Are they letting him like in? Because he was doing like a video as he walked out of camp, just full on ripping on Brock Purdy, questioning Kyle Shanahan. And I'm like, man, I'm speaking for myself personally, Jake. I like, you know, Trey Lance's talent. I hope that they both can have really successful careers, but like Brock Purdy almost led this team, helped lead this team to the Super Bowl last year. But by all accounts, he's come back from like recovery quickly to get back with the team. Locker room loves him. We know from being at around Iowa State, he puts in all the time necessary. And so it was almost like, you know, dude, you can do your job. You can mention these these numbers, what you see at training camp. But it's almost like there's an agenda being pushed, like a narrative. And it was really weird. I swear to you, I'm not going to like name drop. But but I looked at it twice. Like, Is he really leaving practice right now? I don't know how they kind of let this guy in. So I think that speaks to, you know, what you said, Jake. I think there's uh, I think there's a place to discuss that kind of thing. And I do think it can be noted. But certainly in-game is what matters. His health is what matters. The overall team is what really matters. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to chime in on how much I love that Eagles bet. But I'm also pretty high on the 49ers. I think I want to check out, you know, basically where a couple guys are at with, with contract situations. But I think that San Francisco, as I'm looking at a Purdy Niners jersey in your backdrop, oh, I yeah. really do think They're- that they are set up for success. There's room for a couple Heartland flags up there to the, <laughs> to the left and right of that Purdy jersey. Well, a few weeks left of preseason. Um, that'll probably be 
um, the end of most of our NFL talk, other than I'm guessing what we'll see from Brees Hall on hard knocks. Um, but let's close out with some big 12 discussions. Let's talk scheduling. I know this is a year away, but the big 12 is about to welcome four new schools next July. Get rid of two. I don't even know which two are leaving. They're kind of irrelevant. But uh, <laughs> So you've got 16 teams. And I, I actually posted this on Twitter a couple weeks ago when it happened. But if I was Brent Yormark, first off, I'd go hang out with Jay-Z. And then I would make this schedule. Mm-hmm. So the way I, I have this written down, I've got four pods, Northeast, Southwest, pretty easy. And the first pod, it's the North pod. It's Iowa State, Colorado, Kansas, K-State. South, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State. East, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and West Virginia. And then West, you've got the four Western schools, Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, and Utah. So the way that that I thought this out, you still play the three non-cons. We're playing a, a nine-game conference schedule. You play your pod every single year. That's three games. You're at six currently. Then you play one other pod each year, rotate that. So, mm-hmm. for example, the North could play the South pod. So Iowa State would play Baylor, Oklahoma State, Tech, TCU. And then you fill those two games with what the NFL does. So you play your division equal in the two remaining pods. And I don't know how you would do this the first year, but if Iowa state finishes second in the North in 2024 and wait, Jake, how many conference games are we looking at with this? This would be nine. So it would be just like they're playing now. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So essentially if you're playing the South pod, in 2025, you finish second, and Cincinnati finishes second in the East, you would play Cincinnati. In the West, if it's Utah, you play Utah. So it's, I mean, it's pretty actually identical to how the NFL does it, just it on is. a smaller scale. It uh, is, yeah. I, I tried thinking about it. I guess, what's the downside to this? Do, what do you think of it? Honestly, dude, because I, I, I was just I had asked how many conference games just because I was thinking, you know, basically like three in each pod, but there are four. So that would obviously get you to yeah. nine. Man, looking at your choices, dude, I love this. I think that it adds a regional aspect. I think that it adds obviously some variability in terms of which other pod you play. I think that there are levels of competition incentives within it, just like maybe not incentives, but level of competition results because like perfect example, you mentioned the Eagles earlier. Now they're the best team in that division, but they're going to have to play like a first place schedule this year. Exactly. So I think that that gives other teams maybe chance to move back up, man. I'm not sure how quickly, you know, you thought of this, Jake, but I think it is fantastic. I would be a major fan. And it's just crazy to me to think, you know, we're we're still in August for a little bit. We're enjoying 2023, but it's crazy to me to think that that is going to be what this conference looks like 
in just about one year. That's that's really just, you know, kind of absurd to me to think about. I think this is really well thought out, Jake. I like, you know, even maybe a rivalry aspect here and there, like how you have like, obviously we're, we're talking more football right now, but like Iowa State, KU basketball, that's big time. Iowa State, K-State, you know, Farmageddon, you still got right. that going. KU, K-State within there. You have Colorado. I think I'd maybe want to, you know, dive in a little bit. Maybe there's another team to, uh, you know, kind of mix and match with Colorado. But I think it's really well done. And I'll be intrigued to see, you know, maybe we maybe we get this to your guy, your mark, and see if this is something that they roll with a little bit. Yeah, just what I like about it. First, let me start with what I dislike about it. I would rather have the round robin. Yes. I, I like... TCU coming to Ames and then you go to TCU. I, I like how that works. I'm going to miss that so much, especially in basketball, more so than football. Big like time. this year, it's it's weird that Iowa State's not playing West Virginia or Tech, but at the end of the day, it's West Virginia and Tech. If they were playing K-State, then you might find me complaining. But I'm really going to miss the round robin. That's the best way you can do it. And the problem with with this scenario is – let's say Kansas finishes last five years in a row, which is probably a possibility. And Utah never finishes last. Your KU would only go to Utah once every six years and vice versa. So you still run into the issues Mm. that the big 10 has run into where Ohio state has played in Kinnick once in the last seven years. So but it's going to be unavoidable with conferences this big, which I think is at the heart of the issue, the problem. Yeah. But uh, it, you obviously don't want to get rid of a of a game like Iowa State, Oklahoma State that's been played for so long. And it's become a – I'm not going to say a rivalry, but it's always a competitive game no matter how good each school is or how bad each school is. But if you want to make it a rivalry – you guys both just have to win your pod. And that's that's about as simple as that. And I, I think it could be fun where I look at that East pod with Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and West Virginia. I think in five years, Central Florida will be the class of that pod. You go out West, maybe Utah is. There's a little rivalry of Central Florida and Utah win their pod every year. They're playing each other every year. You can That can be a little rivalry, but... I'm just a guy with a microphone and um, an idea. No, I, I love this, man. And you know what? Just because, again, I, I mentioned what I do with recruiting, UCF or, or Central Florida, they they really do have a chance to become like the class, you know, if, if we use that division, like the class of that or quite honestly, Jake, the way they're recruiting – one of the better, more consistent teams in the entire conference. Yeah, they're certainly more so – for football, I don't see them really emerging as a basketball power, at least not anytime soon, really. Well, the but... Big 12 needs someone to not be a basketball power. They need <laughs> they need just a couple bad schools in basketball or else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's nice to have kind of one or two of those gimme type games, yeah. uh, which are not a lot of in Big 12 basketball. But football, again, the way they're recruiting, I think that they could be, you know, about as – 
as good as they maybe showed a few years back. Not quite to that level, not that ceiling maybe, playing tougher opponents. But I just wanted to say I think that's a good note, and, and I think that that breakdown, I love the round robin specifically for basketball. It has been – it was just a, a joy to see, you know, when that was happening with the Big 12 Conference. Uh, but But I think this could be the next best thing, Jake, and I like how you broke it down. So – to play a round robin with a 16 teams conference would require 30 games, which I'm not against. This might be an idea for another podcast, but, yeah. but get, get rid of those Arkansas Pine Bluffs, get rid of the <laughs> Southeast Missouri State, get rid of the Grambling State. I don't want to see any of that. I just want you kick off the season. You can play one cupcake. Your pick. If you want Long Beach State to come up to Hilton Coliseum, go for it. But game two, you're going to Arizona. And I don't do see that, that happening. until March. No, it, it's not going to happen. It would be better for the fan. And if your mark is wanting to make this a basketball conference, why not become the king of November? Why not become the king <laughs> of December? Take over the NFL. No, it's, that's not happening. But we're probably going to wrap this week up sorry we didn't get to too much big 12 discussion next week is going to be our really deep dive into the big 12 really we're just going to focus on that yeah big and then, 12 football and, and iowa state next week is all yeah we're gonna have our big 12 standings predictions powered by heartland flags and circus sports in the channel seed studios we're gonna pick all the big 12 week one games we're gonna preview iowa state you and i Maybe some dark horse picks to win the conference. I've got I've gotten out of the box one, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really fun episode, and we're gonna be live next Wednesday at two thirty in the Channel Seeds Studios. We're doing it. I'm we're doing oh it. yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. So hopefully, it's gonna we- be basically content galore next week because you know this this was a lot of fun, some good discussion, always talking about cyclones in the NFL, but it's going to be a lot more kind of, uh, you know, college and focused, really centric next week, Jake. Obviously, we'll be just two full days from Iowa State kicking off, Big 12 football season really getting going, and I'm excited to hear who your dark horse picks could be. My dark horse pick might be my pick. Just Okay. We'll, we'll let that be a little, a little teaser. A little cliffhanger for yeah. me too. All right. Well, Nick, thank you. Enjoy your week, Aiden Wyatt. Thanks for getting back from class so soon. I know you've got another show to do. Aiden's always, always grinding. I know uh, last week we uh, we made you the big party guy. Did you stay safe, hydrated at 801 Day? It was so freaking hot. Like, I was out from like 845 to 11, and I was sweating. I just wanted to go home and sleep. Yeah, yeah. 845 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then I watched the Cubs game. I think they're at 120. Yeah, that's like, and, uh, <laughs> that was a stress. And I was pretty much in for the day. Yeah, I love well, it, Aiden. You're well, glad you're in dude. one piece. Glad you're not sunburnt. That was my biggest concern. I mean, looking at me, you know, I don't tan. <laughs> All right. Well, Aiden, enjoy legends and listeners. Be sure to go listen to Scott Doctorman and Chad Leistico. Um, two guys named Chris. I'm about to go listen to this morning's episode. But we will be back next week. We're going to have a lot of football. 
to talk about. Can't wait. See you next week. Iowa everywhere.